Hey folks, welcome to MLR Kickoff. We are in the finals edition. The elimination games are over. We're on to conference championship weekend. It is going to be a big one. Four teams remain, two games remain. Only one champion will come out of that. The professor, Pete Steinberg, joins me as always. Pete, early morning. Early morning show for us. Early morning uh, show, yeah. We've replaced the, the usual waters and teas for a strong, strong coffee. So cheers to you getting up early and doing the show. We had to do some uh, reconfiguring, obviously. Uh, been quiet, so no changes in MLR, pretty consistent and smooth. So yeah, here we are, early in the morning doing shows. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. So I am um, solo parenting this week. And my son, who's two, that normally wakes up at 5.45, decided today would be the day that he would sleep until 7.15. Like, Dan, it's one of, you, know, you know, you go in and make sure he's alive because he mm. never sleeps this late. And, of course, I've got the show at 8, so my hair's a little messy. I don't have my MLR shirt on the way you have your MLR shirt on. Like, I just, like, I literally got back from dropping them off at daycare. Maybe didn't feed Elliot as, as well as I maybe should have. I'm like, yeah, you've had four bites of that. Let's go. Um, he gets another breakfast uh, at, at daycare. Yeah. So this morning, this morning was was a little rush, but happy to be here. I was going to say we could do the uh, the single parent podcast, but after you mess up this morning with Elliot, maybe that's not a great uh, idea for a podcast right now. <laughs> One of mine is gone. She's at swimming. She uh, she chose swimming and not realizing that if you're a swimmer, you train early in the morning. So no, I know swimming. people. Well, I mean, you know, coming if he has us. If she has Australian blood in her, she's used to like getting up and going swimming, right? Isn't that what you guys all do when you're yeah. like three years old? It's a little Just... different. It's nice and it's nice weather down there. It gets a little chilly in the morning still. Uh, the big one is the opposite of Elliot. He is sound asleep still. So <laughs> I am Just... looking forward to those times. Like you know, if if I can sleep past six o'clock in the morning nowadays, that's a that's a huge win. And, and even like, and, and even when they sleep past six, I wake up like at five forty-five, and I'm like, "Oh, they're going to wake up." And then those bugs that sleep till six thirty, I'm like, "Come on!" So that would be a good. I, I want a couple of like uh, psychologists to do the, the the psychology of why you wake up when you know you've got to be up instead of you sleep until your alarm yeah, goes off. Yeah, yeah. If you ever have like an early flight, early flight dad, always. So, in particular, like last year for MLR, right? We were in Indianapolis all year, uh, and the only flight back if we did a Sunday game was very early Monday. They could get me back in time for work, so you'd have to be up at like four. I think four forty-five was the time you'd have to get up to get from the hotels to the airport to get you through. I must have woken up at three, three fifteen, three twenty-three, three twenty-seven, and then you're just like, oh, I'm just going to stay up at this point. And you, right? It's it ruins um, your day. So. So Dan, yes. this this weekend is the first time that neither of us are doing a semi-final, a conference final MLR in MLR history, right? You're not doing a game, I'm not doing a game. Yeah, my wife thinks it's a conspiracy that the one year I take it off that Father's Day just happens to be on a weekend where there's MLR games because usually Mother's Day is the one that falls on a rugby weekend and I'm, I'm gone doing a game somewhere for Mother's Day, but it just so happened that Father's Day kind of wasn't on a bye week or something. He's like, oh, how convenient. You're home for Father's Day. And I was like, sorry. So, yeah, no. It's, uh, it's, how's it been? You did a couple of games this year. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, I did a couple of games. My schedule's been um, a little a little crazy. And so, um, and yeah, the, um, MLR offered me a couple of games that I just couldn't take. But um, 
I, you know, Dan, it's, it's, I, I, I really enjoy doing those games. It's just like you said, it's long weekends, right? Like, like you were leaving often Friday, coming back Monday. I had one of those, like, it's hard to give those weekends. My work's been really busy. So I've been traveling during the week, so it hasn't worked out, but I, I miss it. I miss the, you know, it, I miss being connect more connected to the game. I mean, what I miss is I miss being on site, right? Mm. That's the thing. If it was on site, I think I would, I would make the sacrifice a little more. Um, and, and I really enjoy like working with the guys in the studio. That's, that's been a great experience, but you know, I, what I really miss is feeling close to the game and feeling close to the game is being on the pitch before the game, talking to the coaches, talking to the players, but you know, COVID and, and, uh, and dollars make sense for like what they call a, a, a remote model where we all fly to a studio and, and do the games from the studio. I do, I do. I, I will say, yeah, you miss, you miss that. But from the remote stuff, you miss like coming in and seeing, having breakfast with Reese Edwards and, and Kyle Binder up there, who runs yeah, yeah. Kyle, Kyle with Tupelo, who runs out of Indianapolis, and and Reese is uh, MLR. So Reese Edwards, we've talked about him on the show. One of the absolute champion blokes of world rugby. You know, he's done World Cup finals and you know the Premiership. He's done a bunch of Test matches. Did you do a Lions tour there at one point? I'm pretty sure he's done like I'm, a Lions I'm, I'm tour sure as well. Done, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's Good done guy. everything. He's got, got some great stories too, like the crazy times in television. And the problem is he'll probably sit down in 10, 15 years and MLR will have some of the craziest ones. He'll be like, <laughs> one time, well, one time in be, America. You know, to be fair, I missed, I, I, I deliberately skipped the show last week to stay out of all of the, the turmoil, but I'm not sure that the TV guys had um, the contingency plans that they needed to have over the last couple of weeks to work out where all the games are going to be. You imagine being the poor graphics guy and you put your graphics for, you know, Austin versus Houston in Austin. And they're like, well, hang on. No, you're not going to do that now. Okay. I'll, I'll build my Houston, Seattle graphics. Oh, you're not going to do that either now. <laughs> what am I building? I'm not going to build anything until the, the day the of the day game. Of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, let's, let's jump into the games from the weekend. Two games. Uh, First time we go to the elimination format, so an extra week of finals. Let's start with that first. Do you like three teams making the playoffs? I do. Like, like you know, I'm I'm a um, I'm a fan of, of of playoff footy. Like, you know, I know that there's the classic, just who ends whoever ends up on top. But if we're trying to build excitement for the game, I think we need games that mean something, and I think we need. Um, more excitement. And, and you saw that. I mean, I think there was, I think it was week 17, every game had a playoff implication hmm. in week 17, right? That's pretty incredible. It makes all the games interesting. It brings more people to the game because the games are interesting. Like if we, if we didn't have the elimination, half of those games wouldn't have been interesting, right? They wouldn't have been useful to watch. And so I think, I think the eliminator round, I'm, I'm a fan. What about you, Dan? I, I am too. I think it almost added, we almost had like at least said a fourth week for the finals because right. of what happened in that last week. And it was, you know, fortunate scheduling that it ended up that way. And, and obviously some other uh, situations that arose that, that also made it quite interesting and exciting coming down the stretch there, you know, like Seattle, for example, were out and all of a sudden, hey, you beat LA, you're in. Right. Uh, which made it even more exciting. It generally was like a play-in, like uh, you see for... Uh, the, well, the NBA doing the play now, aren't they? It feels like those finals go on for six months. But, uh, I, yeah, I, I like it. I, I don't think we should go beyond three for now. 
because I look at the teams that come fourth, they probably, for the most part, don't deserve to be playing finals. Right. You know, San Diego on the West, technically, you know, fifth, but fourth and then third. But I think it showed yesterday, we'll talk about that game um, against Seattle. Obviously, the preparation wasn't great. I think a few of the boys were in Mexico. Um, showed they probably shouldn't have been there anyway. So let, let's start on the East Coast. Let's go Atlanta, New York. It's become quite the rivalry. Uh, this was the conference championship game last year. Obviously, Atlanta win by a point, go on to the final. This year, New York, you know, turn the tables on Atlanta, go on the road and get the win down there. This, to me, looked like two teams who were really nervous. Like, yeah. they both really knew what was on the line here, and, and there was some tightness about both these ties. Yeah, I mean, um, so I'm, I'm going to confess, I was, I was uh, texting with Stats Boy. I bet during this game because um, I watched this on replay because I watched the uh, U.S. women beat Australia. Um, oh, so, sorry, I'm torn. I'm six, torn. I don't know how to feel about like that. I don't know any of the Australian women. I know a good majority yeah, of the yeah, U.S. Yeah. women. So, so, um, so I, that was on at the same time. So I watched that and then I watched the recording right afterwards of, uh, um, of, of this game. And it just wasn't a very good game. It looked like two teams that weren't playing at their best. Like you said, they were really nervous. Um, you know, some, some interesting stuff about it. You know, New York continues to be um, a team that relies on its defense and then um, explosive plays, right? So so they, they made 144 tackles. They only had 50 breakdowns in the whole game, which is like nuts. Um, but, you know, Atlanta really struggled they struggled in their kicking game right and that and that is really really important to them so they had uh, um five kick errors new york really struggled at the breakdown they had seven breakdown penalties both teams had over 10 handling errors it just wasn't a great game for either team um but you know i think the like stats boy and i were chatting and stats boy was like remember this game was 10-9 last year so it's just like it's two teams that lead with their defense that lead with putting pressure that leads to issues on the on the pitch right and uh um yeah i mean i think new york were just more efficient they had more explosive plays atlanta couldn't score when they had the opportunity to and you know new york come through it but i don't think they come through it with a lot of confidence moving into like the next game I don't know. Winners are winning in the finals. I feel like you just take enough out of it to go on to the next one. But we'll, we'll, we'll jump into the New England game. We'll, we'll go a little deeper into that because that's that's worth it. Let's go to Seattle-San Diego now, 43-19. Uh, it, it was a little tighter at the half. I think it was 21-14 at the half. San Diego, though, just looked uh, looked rusty. looked like they hadn't played for, for six weeks instead of uh, well, effectively three weeks. Yeah, I think at that point, or two weeks, uh, they had to buy in the last round, sorry. Um, what were your thoughts on this one? Well, I mean, this is this was interesting because San Diego looked good in pieces but just couldn't score. They had a number of missed lineouts. And in games like this, you miss that lineout and it becomes really, really problematic, right? You have some real challenges um, when you miss, like, scoring opportunity lineouts. And, and they did that enough. I actually thought Seattle looked really really good um aj alatimu i mean this guy there was there was a period 
in the middle of the season when Seattle went through that downtime, the Alatima wasn't playing. He was on the bench. And I was trying to work out what was going on because this guy is is really, really important. Like he had, um, what do you have, 21 points kicking? So the penalty issues, like that was like that, which is which is really interesting because you normally associate San Diego, right, with taking penalties. Like you and I remember the semifinal against um, was it New York? Where it was they, New York, yeah. yeah, where they where they took the penalty and they went up with like two minutes to go. And New York came back and won that one. I mean, I just think that there's, um, but Alatimu is playing really, really well. Um, you know, ki- kicking really well out of the hand, um, you know, JP Smith with his left foot. I, I think these guys look good. I don't know. Do you know what the news is with Lepetti? Cause he hasn't played, but I thought actually Creole and Busby look pretty good in the centers. So Lepetti is a chance to play this weekend. Ben Landry out for the season. Okay. Well, I mean, Duratalo had a good game. Travis Lawson had a good game. Ricard had it. This is a really, really good back row. And I think the back row is going to be actually the place where, like, we'll talk about this, about how they do well um, or, or how they have to do well moving forward. So, you know, their bench is pretty strong. You know, when you've got, um, you know, Brad Tucker on the bench, that's a, that's a good sign. Like, Kellen Gordon's been a really good, like, stalwart for um, Seattle. So I think their bench, bench is okay. But I think, so, you know, they just were really efficient you know, they scored, they had, um, you know, less breakdowns. Um, they had uh, less passes. They, they had more tackles. They had more kicks. They were willing to give away the, um, uh, they were willing to give away possession to be able to, uh, um, you know, to gain territory and then lead with their defense. And I thought it worked, worked really well. The interesting thing, and I think, Dan, this is a little bit of sort of like the mental side. I just thought Seattle won the contact point. And that, and that is something that when you come back together with like, you know, as coaches, we're very precious about our practice time. And so San Diego pulling their team back together, lost a couple of days. The one thing you probably can't really prep for is the practice time. And, and, that, and, and, and that contact, right? Like, because they, they, they missed the last week. Like, they, they didn't play for two weeks and they didn't practice for probably – you know, 10 days of that. And when you come back, you can't get back into that contact. So I think that's the challenge. That That's interesting, isn't it? Because it was either going to go, and, and again, hindsight's always a, a pretty great way to look at anything because you sound really smart when you use hindsight because you know what's happened. But if they were going to win this game, it was going to be an all-out, you know, just a, an absolute open game, high yeah. scoring, you know, they were never going to get into a dogfight here and, right. and drag this into the trenches because I, I agree with you. Imagine the mentality of sitting on a beach down in Cabo and all of a sudden, boom, phone goes off and they're like, hey, we need you guys back. We're in the, we're in the semi, we're in an elimination game against Seattle on, on Sunday. Oh, you know, at that point, does it cost your mind to be like, ignore and just put your cell phone back down? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I mean, look, you've worked like this is a team that's worked together all year. They've, they've at moments looked like the best team in the league. You, you say, yeah, let's go for it. But you just don't have the time. I mean, you can see this. Here's, here's a difference in the team, right, in, in terms of um, how well they executed. Um, San Diego had nine handling errors, right? Um, Seattle had one. 
like one handling error in the game. That's that's a team that is playing well. I mean, this is a team that is um, seems to be timing their stuff, right? Um, and timing what they're doing, I think, really, really well. Yeah, and again, you look at you know the expulsion of LA and Austin. Boy, it sets up Seattle. All they need to do is go on the road. They beat Houston. I mean, people kind of forget they beat Houston a few weeks ago because yeah. that penalty put Houston into the playoffs, and, and it felt like a loss for Seattle because they were effectively eliminated at that point. But they won. Uh, they won. That's right. They won the game at home. And, and honestly, felt like they looked a lot better than Houston and then kind of took the foot off, and Houston snuck back into that game late, knowing they just had to get within seven and get that full try, which they did. And then Seattle kind of just let them sneak back. But um, they should be going to Houston with a lot of, you know, confidence that they can get the job done. And then it's one game. I mean, they were they were, they were the underdogs 2018, beat Glendale. I feel like they had to have been the underdogs in 2019 again, right? Yep. Yep. At, on the, like, San Diego at home. Right. In the championship. They win that game. Obviously, things haven't gone well since then, but they love this position they're in. They, they're familiar with it. A lot of the squad's been there and, and won in this position. So, yeah, it's interesting. You know, one guy that really stood out was Duncan Matthews, like the, the 15. I mean, his footwork was phenomenal. He had 10 carries, 147 meters run, which are a, a fullback, um, you know, normally like has the most meters because they catch the ball and they can run for 20 meters without coming across a defender from a kick. Yeah. But he had a clean break. He had two offloads and he had four defenders beat all team highs. Right. And so I think Duncan Matthews at 15 is a real live wire that can really make an, an impact. And it's someone that Houston are going to have to be careful of. All right, let's let's preview the games because we're, we're, we're dancing around it already. Rose will just jump right into it. Let's start Saturday. Uh, Seattle at Houston. It's a 7 p.m. Eastern kickoff. 6 p.m. in Houston on June 18th. It's going to be hot. It's going to be humid. It's going to be sticky. Everything that Seattle is not. So how do you see this one playing out? Well, I think the um, I'm actually I'm, I'm trying to pull. I'm trying to go all the way back to the Seattle Houston game and have a look at those stats. I'm just kind of working my way back there. Um, I think this is going to be a really interesting game. When, when Houston started the season, they really looked like a team that, had, um, that was physical, that had those South African roots, right? They were physical, they were good defenders, but they didn't score very much, right? They ground games out. They, they, they played a little bit slower, Right, I think Smith at nine slowed the ball down, and they played very deliberately. It feels like the last month or so they've picked up that pace, and you can see them with their scoring. Right, they've scored more points. Like you know, we even talked about that Seattle game that they lost, but they actually kind of won. Like, but but they were able to generate points. I think that's what they're going to have to do against this Seattle team. I don't think this is going to be a a ten nine game. A 15-12 game. I think it's going to be another like 45-35 game. And I think that means that it's going to be really about who can execute and be most efficient when they've got those opportunities. Well, who do you think can? Looking, We haven't got lineups and that's going to be a big thing because both teams have some injury concerns. Obviously, we've mentioned Lepetti in Seattle. 
Uh, Danny Barrett's been in and out of the side. I think he makes a big difference. And he's a guy, in my opinion, that loves big moments. Like, right. He always seems to, you know, develop and grow as a player in big moments, um, which is what coaches absolutely love. You know, they can rely on a guy to, to lift his game. So knowing how the lineups looked, again, last time we saw Houston, they lost to Austin, but there was pretty much their, their B team was out in the field. We haven't seen them go hard for, for what, two weeks now. What are you thinking here? Seattle, battle-tested. LA, San Diego, two really big physical games. Are they going to be just worn down coming into this one? So I don't think Seattle are going to be worn down. I don't think that's it. I think this game is going to be um, one in the back row. So I think that it's going to be all about that battle for the contest at, at, at the ruck, right? And, and so Willie Britt's been playing eight, right? Um, I think we... You know, we, we heard earlier on this season the fastest player yeah. on the Houston team. Yeah, Al Jabouri said he's the yeah. fastest. Oh, I thought he was joking, but he was just deadpan as he said it. It's like, right. oh, fair enough. Um, so I think that, like, the, uh, you know, so so that that was a surprise to us because I think Willie Britt's experienced um, international, you know, player that's played all around the world internationally um, and is, I think, 33 or 34. So so his, his matchup against Hadding is going to be really interesting. Um, I think it's Grassman that's been playing number seven for Houston going up against Travis Lawson. I think Travis Lawson is having an underrated season because he's doing all the work at the breakdown that allows players like Hadding to run, run around, right, and get their hands on the ball and make the big yeah. hits. And so I think, I think those matchups are going to be really, really interesting. It will be. you got to remember, like, Nakai Penny uh, was having a good year at seven for Seattle before he got hurt as well. So yeah. it's always great when you see – someone like Larson who steps up and fills that role. Um, I don't know. I want, I, I'd be interested to know how many tickets they've sold for this. I know they sold quite a few when they thought they were hosting the elimination. So uh, the, the crowds in Houston came back once, once they started winning. Yeah. I mean, they started selling a lot more tickets down there and I know like a Saturday 6 PM local time kickoff is still going to be quite hot, but that's late enough where, Kids' sports going to be done by six. You can get down there. Parking's easy. They probably should. What do you reckon? Three plus for this game? Oh, I think so. And and I think it's, you know, it'll be interesting to see if that makes a difference. Seattle do play well at home, right? We know that. And so in their um, in their game against San Diego, they, they, they do get some advantage. And it'll be interesting to see if Houston can. But, you know, a couple more things, I think. If, if I go back and look at that last game, is the, you know, Houston – um, and I, one of the interesting things is going to be um, the referee. I thought we saw two different refereeing, um, uh, um, two two different refereeing styles. I thought Mike Lash. I mean, he yellow carded someone in the first two minutes, and that was kind of like he he really wanted to put a stamp down in the game and make sure that he um, that players knew right that that he was watching and that's actually important for a referee like you you dan you you and i both know the wonderful thing about rugby is every referee referees the game differently and players need to identify how how the referee is refereeing and then play to how they referee right so some referees really you know tight at the breakdown some aren't right and so i think that the um uh i think that it's going to be really interesting 
to see who the referees are for the game because it at that breakdown, that's going to be really important. The other thing that I think is is going to be really critical is going to be Seattle's goal line defense. Houston tend to get close to the line and then wear you down with their forwards. Like they always have like a couple hundred ball carries. And when you have a couple hundred ball carries or 150 ball carries or something like that, it's mainly because you've got like 20 pick and goes to score like in, in, a, in a couple of minutes. And so Seattle's defense is, is going to be close. I've underrated um, Houston all, all year. Like I've looked at them. I've said, I don't know if these guys really have what it takes, but they've been playing really, really well for the last four weeks. And, and as much as, you know, you, you have recency bias and Seattle look really good. I think I'm going to choose Houston here. And I think I'm going to choose Houston because I think that um, they're going to be a bit more physical, right? San Diego lost all, all the contact points, right? And I think Houston, if they can match the intensity of Seattle at the contact, I think they win this game. I, unfortunately, I agree with you. But, uh, <laughs> no, I... Uh... The, the refereeing piece is interesting because that that because we've we're a bit of a melting pot, right? For referees, we've had referees from all over the world, and they all bring their own unique style right. and method, methodologies to how they referee a game. But for for big games, I think the more you keep the whistle in the pocket and just let it kind of happen, the better. Like, hey, maybe in week three, I blow a penalty there, but really, as that player, you know, diving off their feet affected the game that much exactly. like, has, has it probably not let it go like let the both teams kind of figure this exactly. out I don't, I, don't, I don't know who the referee would be to kind of do that i mean you know i've never been shy about saying i'm a big fan of the way scott green referees a game um i like lashy as well i haven't been to be fair to the other refs i haven't really you know paid close attention to some of the other refs in the middle this year um but, you know, those two, no, no, they grew up in New Zealand, which plays a pretty open, fast style of rugby. And right. I think refereeing indicates that. So, yeah. I, uh, and again, who does that favor? Does like a, a referee that just puts it in the pocket and lets it go favor, you know, Seattle or Houston here? It's... Yeah, I think, I think it's really interesting. I, I would say that if, um, if I think that Houston, you know, don't score as, as freely as Seattle. So they want a referee that is not going to referee the breakdown very cleanly because that slows the game down and they want the game to be slow because that reduces the number of points. It allows them to use their forwards to score points when they get close. I think that they would want someone that isn't going to be really strict at the breakdown while Seattle will want the game to be more open. Like, like yeah. there's, you know, I, it's, this is sort of one of these games, Dan, where, where if you say, if the total points scored, right, is below 50, Houston wins. And if the total points scored is above 50, Seattle wins. We'll, ta- we'll timestamp that for next week. Okay. <laughs> we I want to I see how that one plays out. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Do we, do we know the refereeing assignments? I think we've seen one, uh, Federico Anselmi has New England, New York, which... Scott again, Green for Houston, Seattle. Scott, Scott Green has... Okay, so, so I agree with you. I think Scott... I think Scott has has the best, and and I think Mike Lash is a, is a very good referee, um, but I think the um, I think Scott Green has a great feel of the game, so I think Scott will let the game flow more. I think that's probably advantage Seattle. 
advantage of Seattle. Seattle. And I think the benefit to Greeny is he's been here since year one. And if anything, yeah. he knows MLR and, and the evolution of the game here, where sometimes if you, you know, I, I'm a big Mike Lasher. I think Mike Lash is a phenomenal referee. Um, but I'm a talker. Like I'm a communicator and I like the fact that him and Scott talk to players. You know, they don't, they don't, you know, talk at players. They talk to players, which is a big difference. I, I feel like sometimes you can have that rapport. Now, it doesn't mean that you're always going to do what they say, but you just at least listen. Sometimes you can diffuse a situation by just saying, get it off your chest. Obviously, you're frustrated. You know, you're out here you know, in a physical contest. There's a lot of emotions. Say your piece, but then it's not going to change my decision. My decision is my decision. So, I those to kind of handle the personalities a little bit better. I bet you there's some characters. I bet you there's – and they'd be interested to – once the season's done, maybe we get those two on the show and just be like, "Yeah, that'd be great." Who, that's, who, yeah, who is the best to talk to? Who do you? Who's got the best chat? I'm, I'm, I'm guessing Dylan Fawcett will feature heavily in both of them because I think Butch, Butch just has great chat. Full stop. But uh, there'd be some other ones, I'm sure. I'm sure some number nines in the league that yeah, yeah, have some no, good chat too. No, I mean, I'd imagine Andy Ellis might oh, be. Uh, and, Andy chat. Ellis is probably the best referee on the pitch when he plays. Yeah. So he's always there to help the referee make some calls. Yeah. Give, give a little advice here and there. The, the old dog's seen everything. Why not? Why not? Oh, we, we have spent way too much time on Seattle-Houston here, but I, I'm going to go Houston, even though, you, you know, I just think it's time. I, I mean, that sets up a new champion. I, yeah, I, I think the other thing I would say is, look, both of the coaches for, for Seattle and, and Houston are experiences in the coaching staff, but there's, like, real – international playoff spirit experience in the, like they'll know how to prep for this and yeah. they'll their prep will be really tight and so oh, i yeah. think that yeah i think i think i think they're gonna that houston team's gonna be ready to play shout out to shout out to friend of the show jt on yet too like oh yeah it's it's been a journey for jt coming over from baseball and coming to rugby and then you know he's 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 seen some interesting stuff in his first couple of years here and you get that team to the playoffs now and to, he, he does a lot of JT. We just had a note from Ryan Gint. JT is the most talked about guy on this show. He's probably the only bloke who listens to the show. So that's why we talk about him. So <laughs> if other people start listening, uh, you, you'll get, uh, you'll get some love too, but no, I love JT. Hey, we're going to play some golf, buddy. I'll be in town in July. Hit me up. We're going to, I want to get on uh, Mike Lawyer's country club. So make it happen. Yeah. All right, let's go to the next game. And then probably the second most talked about executive is Tom Kindly. So New England, New York. All the pressure here, in my opinion, is on the Free Jacks. Best team all year. Probably could have run the table if they wanted to. Like they lost to LA out in the West Coast early in the season. Maybe that hurts them. But they don't really put your performance against Toronto that need to. And the game against New York, to me, I feel like it was the best thing that could happen to them to lose that game going to the playoffs just to kind of ground them and get them refocused here. Um, it's their, heavy is the crown, right? The pressure is on them to now win this game against their rivals. New York can kind of come in loose and be like, hey, we got through Atlanta. We've been to this game three times before. Uh, sorry, this is the third time we've been to this game. We've lost the last two. We've just got to kind of let it go here. But what do you think, Pete? I, I'm not sure I agree. I agree with that. Like, I mean, I think there's pressure on both teams. I don't think teams. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I think new England come in. I mean, it's both teams come in. I don't think there's extra pressure on new England, 
I think that I would say that they come in with confidence, right? They come in with confidence that they are the best team. They like they played. So hold on, I'm, I want to pull this up. So they played New York, what two, two, two weeks ago, right? A game that they didn't have yeah. to win. Yeah, that they, yeah. That, 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 that they didn't select heavily for, right? And they were pretty dominant in that game, right? I mean, they had the more balls, like they had way, way more possession, double the amount of possession. Um, I mean, there was lots of penalties in this game. There were 17 penalties against New York, like seven at the breakdown goes back to what happens at the breakdown. Um, you know, the set piece by both teams was, was really good, but it was a pretty, like, it was a pretty good performance by a New England team that was missing, like, Conradry, um, a whole bunch of players, and um, although I think that might have been the game that Bowden Wacker came back. I mean, John Poland didn't play in that game. Like they, they played a mixed side and were competitive against, I think, a pretty strong side that um, the, uh, um, New York put out that already had, you know, Milner, Scudder and Holo. They were in that team. So, you know, is this even going to be close? Oh, New York fans. It's Finals, like I doubt this is going to be a blowout. It's one of the great rivalries early MLR, New England, New York. Uh, like the hatred for these two teams, it goes off the field. Like administrators hate each other. Owners, you know, I don't know. Like Eric Anderson probably doesn't hate anyone. He's like, uh, you know, he's like Ryan Reynolds of Major League Rugby. He's like the nicest guy ever, good-looking, rich. You know, God. screw you, Eric. Um, but this is I, this. No way, this is a blowout. This is a this is a tight game. Can we timestamp that stats, boy? I don't, that, blow, I, I don't know. It's below 50. No, I don't, I don't even know if we'll get to 50. I don't, I don't, think, I don't think this is a high-scoring game. I just don't know that... Um, I think that the way I would put this, Dan, is that if, if New York and, um, and the Free Jacks and New England play their best, I think the Free Jacks win this by 15. That, I, I think I think they're a fifteen point better. It doesn't mean that they're going to win on the game on the day because there's lots of things like if if the Free Jacks don't play their best, New York can win. Yeah, but if the Free Jacks play play their best, they win, and I think they win relatively easily. All right, here's the big question: at this point of the season, physical preparation is done. There is nothing either team can do this week physically right. that will give them a significant edge on the weekend. This is mental warfare right now. So. Which team is mentally tougher? Which coaching staff is sharper in terms of how they're going to prepare their, their team for this game? Well, I think that we've got, like, you know, I think we've got unknowns. I'm not sure who, who, knows, but... who are your leaders on each team. Like, let, let's, let's put it this way. If you're in a huddle and you've got Bodine Walker in one huddle and Andy Ellis in the other, which which huddle do you want so to be I think, in? Yeah, okay, so so I think I think like it's going to hurt me to say it. I think you're bringing up a good point, Dan, because I think what I'm hearing you say is the the experience, the elite experience in the New York lineup is stronger than the elite experience in the Free Jacks lineup. Is that what you're saying? I am. Yeah, I think I think I would agree with that. Right. So I think that there's, and, and that's where I go to playing your best. But I think like Conradi, Johnston, um, 
like Bowden Wacker, you know, Dougie Fife. There's there's experience there. It may not have the elite all black flavor of the and, and probably the eagle flavor too, right? Of of, of of New York. Like I think it was interesting that that um, Nick Savada came off the bench. I wonder if he starts this weekend. Right. That's a that's a strong bench. Right. Having him um, come off the bench. So I just think it's interesting um, to to think about it that way. And that and that might be why the Free Jacks don't play their best and New York do. Do you know the only thing that beats experience in these situations? Ignorance. Not knowing any better. Like having a guy like Cam Davidovich on the other side is like, I don't know who Andy Ellis is. I don't what I'll just smash him. Like I'm serious. There's a lot to be said for that. And you probably coach players like this. I've played with players like this. Right. I'm like, oh my God, you know, we're playing against so and so and they've done this. And I was my own worst enemy. I would start the, you know, steal Marco Keith's term. I'd start my head karate on a Thursday for a Saturday game. And by the time Saturday come around, I'd be exhausted. Uh thinking about like like I was prepared because I knew what everyone could do and what what was coming. Other guys said, wouldn't I? They're like, who's that? Oh, you know, we're, we're playing against, you know, Nanny Milner Scudder this weekend. Oh, who's that? Is, is, is he a local guy? Did he play for the <laughs> New Jersey team? Uh, no, no, actually he didn't. Um, so. I think that's right. But, I, you know, I'm going to go to to the back row and um, New York against Atlanta played Dylan Forsett at eight. And he's a great rugby player, but he's not a great eight. And if yeah, you take Dylan Force, a great game at eight, he, I'll give him that. He did have a great game. He was up against Jason Dam, who who has been injured this season, who I think has great potential. I think you know Jason Dam is probably going to be um, going to the next World Cup if he stays healthy. Um, but but I think up against Conradi, Wayne Conradi, I I think that there's an advantage there, and I actually think that there's an advantage in the back row for New England with Joe Johnston. I think he's maybe the best number seven in the league. Um, I, I think that back, back row is going to be really, really important for, for the way that, um, you know, the, the inter- there's a really interesting thing about um, how uh, the Free Jacks play on attack and how that matches up against New York. Because what the Free Jacks do is the Free Jacks, like I, I want to go back and look at, like some of the stats that exist for um, for the, for the for the players is is ridiculous. That um, Bowden Wacker will make like ten passes in a game, and he'll have like six carries into the breakdown. So he'd have touched the ball fifteen or sixteen times as a ten, which is ridiculous. But what they do is they just use their forwards. Their forward that like John Poland feeds their forwards, feeds their forwards. They have to win that physical battle up front. And New York, New York's defense is excellent out wide, right? They're very, very good. They're very difficult to break down around the outside. I'm not sure that their type five is the physical defenders that they need to be around the French. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it, 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 that's, that to me is going to be a really, really interesting piece just because of the, I don't want to say simple because I don't think it, it's fair because actually um, Poland has two or three options with their runners off the forward. So it's not like they're hitting one runner. There are three players attacking the line and Poland picks one. And so it's actually very difficult to defend. And, um, and, and, and if they're able to get that go forward, then Wacker only gets the ball when there's space to attack, whether that's kicking, running or passing. And that's why Wacker looks so amazing. 
It's all the work that the forwards do. And so it's not clear to me that New York can stop that. I, I will say there was a I think Bonin Walker's player of the year, like not even close. Um, I, I mean, there's some argument, maybe some other players to be in the conversation, but to me it's Bodin Walker. And he carried that hype from early in the season too because he came yeah. out of the gates firing and he's carried it and his performance has lived up to that hype all year. One of the big ones is when they ran into New York early in the season and he was on fire and he went down to Hoboken and tore them to shreds. Right. And I don't, I don't know if those scars have disappeared yet. Those wounds have healed for New York because if he gets I, – I, I would be – bashing him as much as I can early on if I'm New York. That first 20 minutes, um, like yep. we talked about, like he's mixed between pass and carry. Such a great ball runner. He can pass, uh, but he can carry. He's big enough and physical enough to take, you know, take the ball into contact against loose forwards, but he can also, you know, move and, and isolate big front row forwards and create opportunities. Um, for New England, and this is going to be hard for, for Walker to do, I would pass early as much as I can because I, I just feel as though deflect the pressure as much as I can away from you. Let Conradi and Johnson take carries early where you'd normally want to carry the ball and see if you can just wear that defense. Just take the shine off that first step of the New York defense. And as soon as you start to see hands go on the knees, then, you know, it's like uh, I, love a, I love a movie reference. Remember in Rocky Four when, when Drago's fighting Apollo and he's not punching, he's not punching, and, and Drago, uh, Apollo's dancing, he's snapping out jabs and bang, and all of a sudden the, the, the Russian coach, Ostasio, and then all of a sudden Drago just goes, boom. And, you know, <laughs> four, four minutes later we're in tears, you know, as Rocky's holding Apollo and uh, the rest is history. I don't want to go into it. It makes me upset. But that's almost rock has got to – take a Drago approach to this game and just be yeah. no. got patient early. The game's not going to get away from him in the first 20 minutes. Get your touches, kick, plenty of passing. Go to the line, but maybe pass a little earlier this time. Turn back inside to your Conradis, your Johnsons. Um, find some big ball runs. You've got two great centers, big centers. Get across, maybe pull early. See if you can get New York chasing you early and switch some back inside for some soft shoulders. Um but I would just have Dougie Fife in the locker room and be like, Dougie, this is what I'm going to do. Every time I take the ball to the line, you know, I need immediate feedback. What's happening it, in that yeah. line? Who's chasing? Who's pulling? Where are they coming at? And then eventually him and Fife are going to you know, lock it up and be like, all right, thir- 13's, 13's turning in. They're looking to shoot on you. And then all of a sudden you can play two centers, 13 channel, bang, out the back to Fife. Mitch Wilson. Congrats to Mitch Wilson, by the way, getting picked in the Eagles. Well deserved. I'm a massive yeah. Mitch Wilson fan. I think that kid can play. Um, but I, I see more past the victory here, Pete, for New England than I do New York. New York's got a very simplistic approach to winning this. Um, and I think New England can can nullify that a lot easier than what New York can nullify the, the potential that New England has here, which sets up Free Jacks, Sabre Cats in the final. It should be a good game. Yeah, just just a couple of things, Dan, before we uh, before we wrap up that kind of reinforces that. So in the New York um, uh, Free Jacks game, and I know that the, the Free Jacks rotated for this game, but Bowden Walker carried the ball six times and had 13 passes. So he had 20 touches. Um, Joe Johnston had carried the ball 17 times and had nine passes. Right. So he had 20, 26 touches. Um, Cameron um, Davidowitz had 11 ball carries and six passes. So he only had 
like three touches. Your number six only had three touches less than your fly half. Um, um, Wayne Van Der Beek had 14 carries and um, 11 passes. So your center has more carries, more touches than your fly half. This is what they do, I think, very smartly, is that they choose the, um, the, uh, the moments that Waka needs to touch the ball, right? And if it's not a good time to touch the ball, they let someone else touch it. And I think that's, that's going to be really interesting. I, I think for New York, what they're going to have to do is a little bit of what they did in, in, in that game. They've got to put pressure on the scrum, right? Um, you, know, we, we'll, you know, they have to put pressure on the line out. And they did both of those in their game before, recognizing that there were some slightly different lineouts, sorry, lineups. But, you know, both teams did pretty well, but New York were excellent. They had 15 lineouts, only lost one. Um, the Free Jacks had 17 lineouts, lost three, which would be okay. Um, you know, I think they need the edge there. And what they have to do is they have to have better discipline. They can't have 17 penalties. They have to listen to the referee. They can't give those breakdown penalties. They have to, like, just like you said, Dan, I think you got it right. New York have a relatively narrow pathway to win that they can do, but it starts with a little bit of an edge in the set piece and then having really good discipline um, at the breakdown. There you go. So who? Who's your final? Oh, I mean, I think, I think, I think it's the like I said, I think it's the Free Jacks. I think if they play their and, best, they 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 rotate. Yeah, I think it's Houston. Houston. You stay with Houston, yeah. okay? Same we're agreeing. It's boring, but <laughs> not well. I, I I agree with you. I think the only thing if they can rattle them early and use that experience in big games, New York can can get it done. I think it's going to be a lot. I think it's going to be a tighter game. I think Houston are set to, to kind of blow the doors off Seattle. I think Seattle are just – they've played two grand finals in a row. I don't know. Some say battle yeah. tested. I just think – I think they might be a little worn down and then that, then that road trip is uh, is going to be tough as well. But all yeah, right. I think, I, think, I, think, I think Houston will be fresher. I think they'll be mentally prepared. I think Seattle will, will be prepared. I just think that the physicality, like with Seattle, they're a physical team. Houston's one of the few teams in the league that you would say – probably a bit more physical than Seattle. And like I said, if Houston can match the physicality of Seattle, prevent their, their big forwards, um, you know, um, Samu Manoa and Ricard Hadding from getting that go forward in the middle of the field, then Alatimu doesn't have the space, then they can put pressure. I think that physicality is going to be really important. I think Houston have the edge. So I'm, I'm with Houston and New England. And I want to get through these, get these games this weekend before I talk anything about the final. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Well, uh, we can revisit that at a later date. Pete, that wraps it up. Thanks, buddy. Enjoy the games this weekend. Should be good. One Saturday. Yeah, one Sunday. Great one. When are? When are they? We. You. You. Yeah. Yeah. Play. Saturday. Sunday. I said that. It's Saturday night. Sunday afternoon. We're, we're all good. New right, England, well, New York. I'm trying to work out. Like so. So. Oh man. All right. So Saturday afternoon might have to be on delay. Um, Sunday is during that time, so that should be okay. Just, just throw it up on the screen. You'll be all right. I'm one of your thousand screens in that house. Yeah. You'll, you'll figure it out. <laughs> all right, Pete. Good show. Right, Good season. Good season, buddy. I'm enjoying it. So we will catch up next week and we'll we'll dive into the championship game. Pete Steinberg, Professor Aaron Castro, Ryan Ginty, and our entire crew here at MLR Kickoff. I'm Dan Power, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>